podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Here we go with Series 2, Episode 33 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. It's, it's Easter Day as we record this, and it's a happy one at that. Perhaps the perhaps happiest podcast of the season this could be. A, a 2-0 win against title favourites Chelsea. Energetic, dynamic, fluid, brilliant um, overall. Our best performance, our best result of the season in, in a huge game for the top four as we as we once again split our eggs into into two baskets. Um, as well as talking that, we discuss a frustrating but good performance in Belgium as we drew 1-1 with Anderlecht. Give you an update on how Man United fared at the Dallas Cup and under-19 tournament in Texas and on our loanies over the weekend. Jack, oh, we've, we haven't had a result that satisfying in years. That was that was brilliant, that. Oh, I, I couldn't put it better myself. I, was, I enjoyed watching that game so much because I went into the game with so little hope, if I'm honest. I couldn't see see us getting anything out of the game after the two previous matches against Chelsea this season, <laughs> where the first game we were utterly outclassed, and the second, despite pretty good tactics, like actually at Stamford Bridge in the semi-final of the FA Cup, we just still couldn't see the game out. But today was absolutely brilliant. The tactics by Mourinho was spot on, and it completely vindicated the tactics that he tried to employ at, at Stamford Bridge in the FA Cup. Everyone on the pitch had a good game. There wasn't a single bad performance out there. And to limit Chelsea's not even have a shot on target, which they haven't done in nearly a decade, I think, is incredible. I mean, what what a performance! A brilliant result, and a very very happy Easter. Yeah, I've just I, I, I've just pulled up my phone here, looked at my tweets from about four hours ago. It says right, not confident, but come on, Reds, this could be massive. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't confident at all. The start to me, the starting eleven seemed excessive resting. But as Mourinho said after the game, perhaps he said he sort of hinted that we weren't resting players, and in fact he was just going for his best team. Um, and ev- everything was planned to perfection. And Herrera came out after the game and said it wasn't quite perfect. It's never perfect, but we 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 were basically perfect. And Chelsea Chelsea were rubbish. Um, there's no denying that, but. Part of the reason they were rubbish was because of us. It wasn't simply that they had a bad game. We we properly forced them into turning a a less than good game into a rubbish game for them. Um, Chelsea failed to have a single shot on target in a Premier League game for the first time since September 2007, which was the first game after Jose Mourinho was sacked by them at Old Trafford versus Man United. Um, <laughs> strange little stat there. But yeah, everything was... Mourinho planned this to perfection every player knew what to do every player covered for each other and pro- our, our best performance of the season I'd say so yeah I, I don't think we've played better than that all season it wasn't it wasn't like we played swashbuckling football going forward all the time but the planning was was excellent the execution was even better and I think just going back to the starting lineup very briefly I think what, what Mourinho said after the game about it being his best lineup was probably true honestly because although position for position it's probably not the most talent that we have or, or the the best, I guess, if you go by position, that's not the 11 players you'd come out with. But for the tasks that they were set out to do and the tactics that we were using, that was the best combination of players that we could have put that we could have put out. And ended up working to perfection. Every single player knew exactly what kind of job that they had to do. And 
I think it can only be put down as a Mourinho masterclass, honestly. We've seen a lot of them over the years. Very few in the last couple of years, but it's probably the first one since he's been at Man United. And I think what was different about today was it wasn't it wasn't like we parked a bus, which I think you can probably quite fairly say that we did at Anfield. We didn't park the bus today. We had a clear tactic defensively, but we, we also combine that with the fact that on the counter-attack, we were very good, but we also controlled the game for large parts of it. It wasn't as if Chelsea had 70-80% of possession for the whole game. We controlled the, the game for a large period of it. We we saw enough of the ball to keep us interested all the time. It, it was a great balance between being solid defensively, nullifying Chelsea, but also taking the game by the scruff of the neck at times as well, and actually taking control and, and playing Chelsea off the park for, for parts of the game. Yeah, yeah. first Mourinho masterclass. Um, he, he, I mean, here's to many more. And what, what I I mean by we played perfectly is, I mean, for example, Herrera and Rashford were both sensational. I mean, what a performance by both of them. But as a team, I mean, we'll move on to Herrera and Rashford because they deserve their own section of praise. But so you've got Herrera man-marking brilliantly. Meanwhile, Rojo and Bayer both staying on Costa, taking him out of the game, but allowing one of them to cover if needed. Damian's doing an excellent job on Pedro, who's been in good form recently. But... Herrera was so focused on Hazard. I mean, that was incredible. But what happened is, even when Herrera got dragged out by Hazard, and that wasn't enough, and Hazard was slightly disappointing in that in that aspect from from a Chelsea perspective and from a, a, his perspective. But when Herrera got pulled out, Darmian was playing narrow, so that added an extra man in midfield. Lingard could drop deep when he wasn't shadowing Rashford. Herrera played mainly on the right, supporting Valencia, not allowing Hazard to get one-on-one with Valencia and tear him apart. Costa was nullified, Hazard was nullified. Kante was relatively weak in his game, and that's not because he had a bad game. He actually had probably the best Chelsea player on the pitch. Um, everything that... Mourinho had told every player who they had to cover, when they had to cover. Fellaini did his job perfectly. Pogba had definitely learned from that game at Stamford Bridge. Um, I remember when, when Kante scored that great goal uh, on the edge of the box and everyone was saying Pogba hadn't got out quick enough. Well, I, I think I saw three or four examples at Old Trafford on Sunday where Pogba got out straight away as soon as a Chelsea player had the ball on the edge of the box. So an example of him learning and Mourinho learning. So everything was, was perfect. Yeah, I don't think you can say that anyone on the pitch in the United shirt had a bad game. All all across the pitch, we nullified Chelsea. No, none of their attacking players looked like they had any way to create anything all game, really. I, I think just quickly touching on Rojo and Bailly, I think this actually extends far far beyond just the Chelsea game. Their performances recently have gone very under the radar. They've both been absolutely exceptional. Marcus Rojo has been re- revolutionised since he's been playing at centre-back instead of being pushed out to left back all the time. I, I mean, we both thought his Man United career was dead uh, over the summer, and he's he's come back this season, and he's every single time he's played at centre centre back, he's been fantastic. Eric Bailly continues to defy expectations, and for such a young player, what is he just turned twenty three? He's absolutely incredible. Probably of our four signings, probably the one that has impressed on the most consistent basis. I would say whenever he's played. And him and Rojo are really starting to strike up a partnership. They dealt with Costa brilliantly all game. I think what I loved about some of the tactics we employed was how fluid it was, and especially in our formation. There were times when we almost played a back five when Ashley Young was playing so deep as a left midfielder, he effectively became a left back right next to, to Damian. But then as soon as we, we got the ball, the midfielders released, other than Herrera, who stayed relatively close to Hazard. Lingard and Rashford, as Gary Neville pointed out after the game, we had great link-up and it was brilliant to see us play with two people up front who were both so quick and so mobile. 
that we actually play with some great movement up front and great interplay. And it's not something that we see with, with Ibrahimovic in the team all the time. And it was it was a very refreshing change. I, I've put a piece up straight after the game saying this is why Ibrahimovic's future needs to be considered. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying I want him to go. I don't, I don't want him to go. I'm just saying we can have a future without Zlatan easily. Because the, the three things United were... Well, there was more than this. But the three things I tweeted about half... I think I probably tweeted at half-time. Um, United were fluid, dynamic and lucky, which is everything we haven't been recently. Um, and yeah, yeah, definitely lucky. I mean, Herrera's handball, I don't, he said he didn't mean it. He probably did. That's, that's the kind of player he is and that's the kind of player we love him to be and everyone else hates him to be. Um, and then, so we got lucky with them not noticing that. We got lucky with Herrera's deflected goal that really took it away from Chelsea. Not completely, but gave us that momentum to, to really stop Chelsea coming back immediately in the second half. We got lucky, but mainly Lingard and Rashford up front was so refreshing. And we haven't seen a partnership up front that's quick, that know how to play with each other, understand every little thing that each other's going to do. Because Ibrahimovic, a lot of the time this season, while he's missed a lot of big chances and he's let his teammates down sometimes, his teammates have let him down sometimes. Because you get those little those little Zlatan fix, those, those world-class fix that no one else <laughs> seems to notice is going to happen. And our players don't get onto the end of it. No one understands it because Ibrahimovic is, is a level above them at times. But with Rashford and Lingard, every little flick the other one was on the end of it. They they always knew where each other were going to go. Rashford basically playing in the right corner of the pitch, to be honest, not even up front. And Lingard was sort of on the edge of the penalty area, controlling everything. And he, Lingard actually very rarely touched the ball, but he caused havoc pulling that Chelsea defence apart, swapping roles with Rashford. And that, that dynamism in the team, we haven't seen for ages, years even. And I think that's that's the second time this season in the league we've done 4-4-2. Um, the other was Zlatan and Rashford up front and we, we beat Leicester 3-0. So having two up front isn't an option every time, uh, particularly when, when teams aren't going to come out and attack at us like Chelsea did. But it worked superbly on Sunday and Lingard and Rashford were brilliant. Yeah, it was great to see Rashford and Lingard up front together. If, if you'd have told me at the start of the season that uh, uh, this late on in the season against Chelsea in the Premier League, we'd have a front two of Rashford and Lingard with Ibrahimovic on the bench I would have called you absolutely crazy, but it worked brilliantly. And it was it was so nice, as, as we said, to see two players up front who but were both capable of getting in behind and doing it to great effect. Really since, I mean, probably since before Van Persie was bought, we haven't really had any any striker that, could, that does that or any striking combination that does that where both players really want to run in behind. They have great interplay between them. Everything has been very much in front of defenders, Pretty much from when Van Persie was here until till now, um, I think it was a a possible glimpse into the future. Jesse Lingard obviously just signed that new contract, and he seems to be becoming a bigger and bigger part of our squad every every week. Rashford's future is looking increasingly increasingly bright with every every game that he plays. So very very exciting times, hopefully. And Rashford and Lingard, I like to see more of that of that combination going forward. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to work every game, but. That was that was Rashford's best performance of the season, easily. That that to me, at about half an hour, once we'd gone one nil up, um, and sort of asserted our dominance after that goal as well, that felt oddly like the the three two against Arsenal last season when Rashford scored that that ridiculous double um, after the Midtjylland game under Van Hal. I don't know. It was just that 
the unexpectedness of us being in front, Rashford having this incredible game, Lingard two, uh, relatively useful sides. Um, I mean, that Rashford was that that was his best performance since he first broke through. Um, it was like watching. I mean, because Rashford aren't and Rooney aren't, aren't actually very similar players, but the strength that Rashford showed, the pace, the finishing. Uh, his influence on the game. It was like watching a young Wayne Rooney. I mean, it was. I I I don't want I don't want to overhype it, but it was such a good performance. Um, and, and what a player! I mean, that that first half was a reminder. He's much more than just a, a quick, youthful striker. He he, he did everything brilliantly. Um, and I, absolute delight watching a, a confident Lingard and, and Rashford. Um. And it was brilliant watching it. I'm not sure if everyone knows about the the expected goal statistic. It's a relatively new stat, um, probably last year, year or two, that basically takes into consideration the the angle of the shot, the distance, the pass that set it up, where it's taken, etc., and sort of gives a chance of it going in. So if it's like a tap in, it's going to be probably zero point nine out of one, um, and if it's a long shot, it's probably zero point zero four out of one. Um, and generally, we've had a higher expected goals than we've scored. Um, so we should have scored more than we have done. But we scored two on Sunday with an expected goals total of 0.84. So finally, some some clinical finishing and efficiency up front and a bit of luck with, with Herrera's goal. Uh, a huge amount of luck. I mean, at the same time, though, Chelsea had an expected goals of, of 0.12. So that shows how much we limited them. But just generally, fluid, uh, dynamic. And wonderful to have two quick strikers because even under Van, even with Van Persie in Fergie's latter years, uh, we didn't have a quick. I mean, he wasn't a quick striker. He was a brilliant striker, but he wasn't. He wasn't quick. And Rashford gave us a glimpse of what we're going to have in over the next years. Um, stunning performance from him. Every time I watch Rashford, what really surprises me every single time is is how strong he is. Honestly, and there was so many times they where he, when he was running at players and they put their body in the way and he just doesn't he just doesn't seem to bother him. He just seems to be able to outmuscle them all the time. I mean when he first came into the team and um I think it was Monday Night Football were doing a an analysis of him. I think this was in the um the Midland game and then and then the following Arsenal game. And that, you know, everyone everyone kind of expected him to be a striker who gets in behind and he's able to 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 take players on. But no one really expected him to be able to do the other side of being a striker and be be strong in in a in a challenge and and hold the ball up when he's when he's needed to, and what I like what I love about him is that the fact that he can do that doesn't take away from his natural game of going in behind and trying to take people on. But when he needs to, he he, he is a, a deceptively strong player. And there were numerous times where he outmuscled, especially David Luiz, quite a few times. Um, I, I get excited about Rashford whenever I, whenever I see him. And all right, this this season he might not have grabbed as many headlines as he did last season, but I think he's definitely improved this season and. Even though he hasn't had that many opportunities, he's still grasped every single one that he's had very well, and he's still proved how much he can be a benefit to our team. Mourinho, I I think he's done an okay job of, of dealing with Rashford, honestly. No, I, th- I think I, I you can credit Mourinho with Rashford's performance today. I mean, there's there's been times when, I mean, he's given him confidence in, in the public. Uh, I mean, he calls him the kid now, which is a, a nice nickname, and and I think. I think that the performance on Sunday was a demonstration of what Rashford has gained from this season of playing alongside Zlatan. He, he's definitely learned how to hold up the ball better. He's, he's yeah. definitely bulked up hugely. I mean, 
that Arsenal game and that Midgetland game, he didn't really fit the shirt. Um, it, it, it was very baggy on him, and I don't know if he's got if he's gonna size down on the shirt or if he's bulked <laughs> up. But I assume it's bulked up because there was that um, there was that one run on the left where he came into the penalty area. He was by himself against four Chelsea defenders, got tackled by two on two different occasions and still managed to have the ball and get a shot away at Begovic, which, which he oh, yeah. saved. Yeah, I think, I think this was a demonstration of, of what Rashford's learnt this season. Yeah, definitely. I, and playing out on the left wing hasn't been terrible for him because it's, it's, I think it's made him more disciplined in, in a certain way, which I, I know isn't really what Rashford's about, but it's definitely a part of his game that it, isn't, there's no harm in developing. And I think Mourinho has to, has to take a lot of credit for that. And I, He's given him enough opportunities to to ensure that he's always a a pretty major part of the first team squad, even if he's not in the starting eleven all the time. And whenever there has been chances to rotate the squad, he's always come in. And I, I think Rashford's had a good season overall. I, I think next season, especially if Ibrahimovic doesn't come back, which is still up in the air, I think we could see him kind of explode and, and really have a a brilliant season next year. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, if, uh, well. And a Herrera put in a, a captain's performance. Um, I mean, Ashley, Ash, Ashley Young was captain. And I understand the longevity thing that Mourinho is doing, where the longest serving player on the pitch is captain. But while I understand it, I think it's absolute rubbish. I mean, that's what Arsenal do, because they have no leaders. Young's not a captain. I mean, full stop. Young, Young's just not a captain. He's a very likeable figure, but he's, he's not captain. And he's, I mean, he shouldn't be captain. Herrera, Pogba, even Rashford I'd put above above Ashley Young. Same goes for David De Gea. I'd give it to him first. I'd give it to Antonio Valencia. But I don't I don't care how long they've been in the club. And I'm fairly sure Antonio Valencia's been at United for longer than Ashley Young. So, because Ashley Young joined in 2011, didn't he? And Valencia joined in uh, after Ronaldo in 2009, I think. So, But just on Ander Herrera, well, sensational performance. Did his job to perfection, following Hazard everywhere. I mean, there was one point where he was so focused on it. It was incredible how focused he was on Hazard. Even when United won the ball, he'd offload it to Valencia on the right and then look around for Hazard to check where, where he was in case Chelsea intercepted it. A brilliant performance. And obviously we can't do that every game, but Herrera did it fantastically. Yeah, Herrera's performance was absolutely phenomenal. When I, I The first couple of minutes, I kind of assumed that Herrera wasn't going to be doing that man-marking job. And I was slightly worried how he would how that would affect us going forward, just because Herrera usually is, is very key in, in our build-up play. He kind of sweeps up any loose ends if, if the ball gets cleared, if we're attacking, and kind of connects defence to attack in a lot of ways. But he managed to combine great defensive discipline in the way that he marked Hazard with still being a, a, a key member of, of us going forward as well. And The whole game, he was just absolutely everywhere. I've never seen a performance from from a United midfielder where... Someone has has just been all over the place every, every single second, and the way that he he literally marked Hazard out of the game. Hazard could have not been playing for the entire match. He managed to nullify him to such an extent. There was a, a point in um, after the game on Sky Sports where Carragher did um, just a, a small little analysis of, of Herrera, and he went from right back to cent- to centre mid to centre back to left back in a in a thirty second space, and in all of that, Hazard got the ball once, and Herrera was was right there when he when he got the ball. Mm. Uh, I think he ended up fouling him in that case, but uh, there were so many times throughout the game where he's he, defensively he was absolutely perfect, and the stats on his performance are, are absolutely crazy. It was a, a brilliant performance, and we, we last season we were very harsh on Herrera, I think justifiably, but 
overall this season, not just this, this game was, was 100% the standout, but in general this season, he has been absolutely phenomenal. He's him, Pogba, uh, and I still, I still think Carrick, those three, when they were playing in midfield were, were brilliant together. And not only was Herrera brilliant defensively, both he deserved the goal and the assist for Rashford's goal. The, the handball notwithstanding was a phenomenal pass and it's just rewards for an amazing performance. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was a very obvious handball, but it was a, a brilliant pass. I mean, that's a, that's the only place, the only pass that could have been successful. Any an inch to the left, an inch to the right, and it would have been intercepted, or David Luiz would have got there before before Rashford. Perfect pass, um, and yeah, a fantastic performance. I mean, last season we did criticize him, um, although we did we didn't really criticize him. We criticized the fact that he wasn't criticised while lots of other players were. Um, so I don't, I don't think we were that harsh on him. It was just that he wasn't that good last season. He was pretty good um, while he was getting loads of praise and everyone else was getting absolutely slated and scapegoated like Fellaini and Rooney. Um, on, on Fellaini, a few pieces of praise for a few unpraised players. Um, Matteo Damian was, was actually quite good. Um, playing very narrow, acting as an extra man in midfield sometimes, while, as you said earlier, Ashley Young playing sort of half left mid, half left back. Fellaini carried out his job to perfection. Paul Pogba had more of the ball than anyone else, shielded defence superbly, especially in that final 20 minutes, actually. Um, he, w- he was perfect. In, he sort of followed the ball around the edge of the box and just didn't let it come in, forced it out wide, um, which is what Mourinho loves to do, just force the play out wide um, and, then, and then push out after that. So, yeah. Pogba and Lingard all over the pitch, same as Herrera. So a few bits of praise for, for those few players, Fellaini, Darmian and Pogba. So overall fantastic performance. Anything before we, we discuss Anderlecht very, very quickly? No, I, I don't think so. Just just to say that it's hard to kind of go through every single player, but everyone on the pitch was was brilliant today. Everyone was eight on eight and nine out of ten. It was a brilliant performance all round. Yep. Um uh, right, we may as as well as reviewing Anderlecht, we may as well preview Anderlecht now as well. Um, but just but just on the one more draw in Belgium, uh, first half was a fantastic performance. Before this Chelsea game, it was one of the best first halves of our season. Number of chances made was great, but we we chose to sit back in the final minutes and invited pressure onto ourselves. Results actually quite good, but the man of it's frustrating. I mean, is is that is that all? I think that pretty much sums it up. Before the game, would have taken it. Yeah, you'd always you'd always take a score draw away from home in the first leg of a European of a European tie. You'd always back United, I think, to especially especially when you're not playing, you know, a European superpower. You'd always back United to to get the required result at home. So one one is not a bad result, but having dominated the game like we did and and created so many chances, a silly goal right at the end really was was very disappointing. But one one isn't the worst draw, and I, I still think we'll get the job done at Old Trafford. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we should have scored more. Yeah. Uh, Pogba should have scored that that fantastic one-on-one chance. Zlatan could have had one in the second half. But given that we didn't, I think it was stupid to sit back because while people, because I, I said this, I said, why are we sitting back in the final 20 minutes? Um, we're just going to invite pressure and let them get back into the game because they, they, they generally didn't have a chance for, for until probably 80 minutes. Until they scored, really. That was, that was their one chance of the game. Um, and people, people replied to me on Twitter saying, well, we should Pogba should have scored, and it's like, well, yeah, but as a manager, you have to you have to adapt. If he doesn't score, then it's your job not to sit back and and just let them have chances. Um, but you said we're going to win it, Old Trafford prediction. Um, I'm going to go for a 
relatively comfortable 2-0 win. Nice. I, I, I'll, de- I'll definitely take that. Anderlecht won at the, uh, on Sunday um, to go seven points clear at the top of the league, um, although Club Bruges have a game in hand do. United played in uh, in the Champions League last season under Van Gaal. But um, yeah, they had a 1-0 win at the weekend um, with Hanny scoring. I'm going to go for a... I think I'll go for a 2-1 win. Slightly less optimistic, but uh, slightly less comfortable as well. Um, just say I'm getting the away goal is a bit scary. But uh, yeah, going for a win. And I, I think we'll win comfortably, even though it's not that comfortable of a scoreline. Right, an under-19 squad flew out to Dallas, Texas uh, last week to play in the Dallas Cup, the, the United States' oldest and most prestigious youth football tournament. Um, there's a number of different groups and age groups at the tournament. I think that I think there were 200 or more teams playing. Um, United entered at under-19 level, put in the highest group for that level, the Gordon Jago Supergroup, and we finished third in bracket A, so Group A really, after a win, a draw, and a defeat. Slightly disappointing results. It was a heavy opening day defeat against Mexican side Chivas, with Jake Kenyon scoring the only goal in a 4-1 loss. Uh, United bounced back the following day as Josh Bohui, Matt Olasunde, and Callum Gribbin scored in a 3-1 win against Real Salt Lake. Olasunde's goal was actually a stunning goal. Dribbling through three players before not making the goalkeeper. Two of those players he dribbled through in the box. Brilliant footwork, a slightly poor defender, but a brilliant goal. Uh, if you want to see that, uh, you can find the goal on the timeline of my account at Academy Man United. That's UTD. Anyway, um, we needed a win against Brazilian team Coritiba in the final game to go through to the semi-finals, but could only draw 1-1 with Olesunde scoring again a header to equalise in the first half. And we played one more friendly just to get our money's worth in, in Dallas, drawing 1-1 with Eintracht Frankfurt with a, a Callum Gribbin free kick. Uh, Regan Paul captain United throughout the tournament, but was sent off against Coritiba, but generally had a good tournament. And although there were disappointing results, some, some good performances out there and a fantastic experience for for, for United. Uh, the under-19 squad made up of under-23s, under-18s, a couple of younger uh, one 16-year-olds in there. were. I mean, the first game against uh, Chivas, we played in front of 20,000 people. Uh, so getting the chance to travel, play in front of a crowd like that and face South American size, which is rare at, at youth level, was, was great for them. Meanwhile, the under-23s had a very sparse squad with many of, the, of their squad members playing in Dallas and did well to draw 0-0 against Leicester in a, in a very forgettable game at the King Power. Uh, Nicky Butt attacked the Premier League after for not allowing United to delay the game until players returned from Dallas. Uh, he was not happy with that, rightly so, to be honest. In low news, Sam Johnston started fast and Villa in a 3-1 defeat to Reading, and Adnan Yanazai was a 76-minute substitute for Sunderland, as the Black Cats came from behind to draw 2-2 with West Ham. Andreas Pereira, meanwhile, is in action as we record this for Granada, who Tony Adams has just taken charge of, as I'm, I'm sure everyone has seen and seen his, his dance and <laughs> training. Um, <laughs> he started the game on the left of a 4-3-3 against Celta Vigo. That's, that's Pereira, not Tony Adams, who's staying firmly on the touchline but as we speak don't be surprised if he does run on the pitch during the game though he probably can't help himself <laughs> as we speak Granado a goal down but Pereira has put in a, a couple of dangerous crosses and almost gone at the end of one himself right we, we've previewed Thursday's second leg against Anderlecht um, I've gone for 2-1 you've gone for a 2-0 win uh, both predicted us to go through what do we think for Burnley away from home which 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 is probably a positive yeah I'm probably more confident playing Burnley away from home than at Old Trafford the way this season's gone um I think we will get a win eventually, but Burnley generally very strong at Turf Moor. Not an easy place to go. Defensively, they're usually pretty solid. I can't see it being the most entertaining game ever. I think we'll scrape through with a 1-0 win, I I, I hope as well. But yeah, I, I can really see this being quite a 
quite a dour affair, honestly. I can't see it being very entertaining, but hopefully we can just get the three points. Is what, what it's all about at this stage of the season. Yeah, I mean, that, that's all we care about, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm going for a comfortable win, actually. Um, momentum is with us. We're playing well. I mean, the result against Anderlecht wasn't that brilliant, but the first half was excellent. Um, and I hope, I hope we see... Luke Shaw against Anderlecht or Burnley because he he genuinely put in a, a few good performances in the last few weeks and Anthony Martial I'd very much like to see him against Anderlecht or against Burnley. Yeah, I think I think for in Shaw's case it was kind of bad timing with the the Chelsea game coming up. It was really the the one game in which you would say Darmian is probably slightly better suited than Luke Shaw just to to stay so disciplined just because such a big part of Shaw's game is getting forward. But he had a very good game against Anderlecht and I hope that we will see him. At least one of the the two games against Anderlecht or Burnley as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, another point is that the fact, I mean, Shaw was basically given his chance when Antonio Valencia wasn't playing. Uh, Mourinho sort of tended to have one attacking fullback and one defensive fullback. So uh, I'd assume Valencia won't play on Thursday actually, um, because Mourinho said he's tired and, and needs a rest. Um, he's had he's had a, a few games off, but I, I'd be surprised if he played against Chelsea, Anderlecht and Burnley. So we should see Shaw get a chance um, in the next two games. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-0 t- win against Burnley. So 2-1 against Anderlecht. You've gone 2-0 against Anderlecht. I've gone 2-1 against Burnley. We haven't got any questions this week, have we? We do not. Right, I've got a question for you then. Um, are, we, are we putting any eggs in any baskets or are we keeping them all on the table and leaving the baskets empty? That's a, that's an awful analogy, but you know what the question is. <laughs> you know I'm glad you stopped is. it there before it got any worse. Um, <laughs> I think I think we have to at this point keep keep both options open. I don't think we can prioritise one over the other because, well, especially in the case of the Europa League, the Europa League is such a lottery because it's a knockout competition. One one all right, it's over two legs, but one bad performance can effectively kill your your whole chances and. No matter how well you play, uh, even if you reach the final, get, absolutely playing everyone off the park, you can easily get to the final and then and then come up short. We saw we saw that happen with Liverpool against Sevilla. Um, it, it can happen where you are favourites, but just on that one night on one occasion, it can all go wrong. So, I think we have to keep both options open at the moment. We have an incredibly tough run in in the Premier League, which is what I'm worried about. We still have to play City, Arsenal, and Tottenham away, I believe, before the end of the season. The, the flip side of that is that if we manage to win, say, two of those three games, especially the one against City, not only does it mean that we get three points, we're also taking three points off our rivals. So try and put some pressure on. I think all the teams around us are going to drop points before the end of the season. It's just the case of keeping both yeah. options open. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen so many people saying top four is gone. I, I genuinely don't think so. Our two games in hand, I think they're against Southampton and City, I think. Tough games for sure. Other teams have got to play hard, hard teams. I mean, with six games left, we're definitely still in this. And yeah, one win over City and suddenly, um, I mean, we've got a game in hand on them. We'd be one point off if we win that game in hand and then we beat City, we're into the top four. Bang. Yeah, see, that, I think the games in hand just become so important because we beat City and Southampton. We then go two points above City and level on points with Liverpool, um, assuming that kind of other results kind of match up with those two as well. So... The games in hand are incredibly important. City and Liverpool are going to drop points for the end of the season too, especially in Liverpool's case. They're they're pretty inconsistent, especially against the smaller side. So very very interesting. But I don't think we can we can rule one out at this point. I don't. I definitely don't think top four is gone. It's going to be tough, but there's definitely still 
still a relatively good chance that we will make it. So I think we have to keep keep firing on both fronts and try and keep both options open. Yep. Um, I'm not going to say anything about eggs. I am actually eating an Easter egg right now, but I, I won't say anything about eggs. That's, that's all we have time for on a, on a very pleasant episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 2. Episode 33 we're up to now. Thanks as always for listening. And, uh, and uh, I mean this seriously. Please, if you've got a spare minute, give us a, a rating and a review on iTunes. It, it genuinely helps a lot. So thanks to those who have done. Um, we need a couple more. Anyway, for, for more from us, you can find me on Twitter at, at HarryRobinson64. You can find Jack on... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find the podcast at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D for, for any any podcast-related updates. Or, or just to send us a question. We had none this week. Send them in next week. Um, cheers for listening. Enjoy the bank holiday. And, and let's hope for a few more Mourinho masterclasses before the end of the season. Goodbye. Podcast Network.